welcome to another episode of the Photography Bar. The, 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 the doors have been flung open again. Uh, and my name is Cam and I'm joined as ever by Mark. Mark, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Cheers. A little tired though. How about yourself? Yeah, a couple of days at the photography show. And, yeah. Uh, but, and this is the sort of photography show and the video show to give it its full name uh, special because so we were having a, uh, we've been two days at the show. We'd been talking to um, some of the guest speakers. We talked to some of the exhibitors. We spoke to some of the visitors there. And um, today is, we're going to be giving you a flavour of that when you can hear from all those people that were walking around at the show. So it's going to be great. Now, before we jump into that, I just want to uh, acknowledge um, the hard work of um, some very important people over the last few days. And oh, thank that, you, Cam. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah, thank now, you. Obviously, our week, <laughs> our week, just not just our week, but everyone's yeah. week here in this country got changed, obviously being the Queen's funeral on Monday. Yeah. Now, yeah. we both spoke about this uh, yesterday on our way to the show. And we were talking about the uh, the way that it was all filmed, the, yeah. the shots that they were getting from the Abbey um, in um, St. George's Chapel uh, in Windsor, all those things. I mean, that was a, a hell of a lot of work for a hell of a lot of people. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's been planned. They knew what they were doing for, for years and everything. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure there's possibly some of the cameras may be there permanently. I don't know, uh, you know, don't some know. of the, the high ones, but... Uh, you know, we, we, we've got to give a shout out to those people that were filming those cameramen. I'm sure there are official photographers there that you just don't see uh, mm. on the screen anywhere. Um, yeah. Dramatic views, incredible I think it, filming. I think it really captured it well. I mean, it must be difficult because obviously it's a very somber um, sort of event, but also, you, you know, a lot of it is is people marching up a road. You know, it's mm. it's not. It, to keep that interesting to keep mm. those images interesting uh for i mean it when did it start started about 10 o'clock didn't it went okay. all the way up to five o'clock and to keep those images interesting is is it's a hard thing to do and they did it you know uh the the, the i think I'm, I'm not always a good fan of commentators on this thing but i think that was good as well but yes the abbey looked amazing the 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 photography and and the camera angles and just the panning of it and you know the zooming you know to keep everything sort of moving i heard i'm not sure if i mentioned this before but there was uh uh, I, I quite like Star Trek and uh, there was one of the actors who's who's become a director and one of the things he said was when when you're shooting a scene something should be moving either the actors or the camera and you know when you're seeing those shots of everyone sitting at the at, at, at the pews in in the, in the in the abbey and you can see obviously that the panning of the camera just to keep those things going interesting it obviously I was watching it for, for, for the right reasons, but also those sort of things as a photographer, as a content creator, as we like to call ourselves now. Um, you know, it was interesting to see some of the, uh, the sort of the, the decisions that were made in, in the recording of it. Yeah, good stuff. OK, Mark, um, we're going to have a quick chat about the show for about uh, the next uh, 10 minutes. And then we're going to jump into all of the interviews that we uh, that we did on the day and all the people that we spoke to. So you'll be able yeah. to hear what was actually happening at the show. And you can hear, hear the, the atmosphere that was going on in the background. Um, we didn't put people into a, a little private booth or a crystal clear studio. We recorded there. Because uh, <laughs> we much, don't have one. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So we called it pretty much live there just to, to pick up that atmosphere, which was which was great. So um, on arriving there, uh, weather was great. I must say that, yeah. that that did help. Lovely September weather here. Um, uh, uh, parking up, walking up to the uh, show, get, getting into entry and 
scanning yeah. tickets and all of that is really easy. It's, all it's, really it's, works nicely, didn't it? You know, no, no queues, no no waiting time or anything. It was, it, you know, it was it was it was done really well. As soon as you go in, it's pretty impressive. You you know, we walked yeah. in right where the Nikon stand was right in front of us. I think a lot of people walked in from that entrance, and you know, uh, you know, they've got signs up that hanging up from from the uh, up on the walls because it's such a huge exhibition arena would have a lot of big gigs there as well everything was there um and you know when you get in if you haven't been before and you don't know what to expect it can hit you um yeah. just from the sheer number you know that it can be quite overwhelming i think the whole layout you see all this and, and there's that excitement there as well oh yeah the excitement is great but you're right you're kind of like, oh where do i start you know um but yeah, no, I, I concur. I mean, we walked straight. In. I mean, to be fair, we got there quite early, didn't we? I mean, there may have been a few queues later on. I don't know. Mm. But um, I think generally it was quite easy to get in and out. Um, I think uh, obviously, and it's not just the, the this show, but I mean, you, you do get lost a few. I mean, to get your bearings, because it is a massive, I'm not sure, is it two halls? I think it's just, it's I three. Th- it was three and four, I wasn't th- it? So I think yeah, was, that's right. It was two halls. It was so, two yes. halls. So there's a lot to, lot to yeah. get through. Um but yeah, I, I thought um, I thought it, it was a lot bigger than the one I did last year. There was a, a lot more things going on. They, yeah. um, you know, there's a few people who were missing last year who were there. So, for example, Pixar Pro were there this year, which they weren't before. Um, and yeah, I think um, you know the Nikon stand looked great, the Canon stand looked great, um, London Camera Exchange and um, yeah. Wex. So, think- you know, they all look fantastic. Mm. Um, I thought the Sigma stand looked looked pretty cool as well um, i know we didn't speak to them but i did it looked like the tardis from doctor who i thought that's right yeah cool. i don't yeah. the, the layout was as it is when you go to one of these trade shows and we tried to a couple of times when we were looking for a, for a particular stand we couldn't find yeah. it then we did refer to the map which was yeah great yeah, they did have a map honestly it was it was really difficult to get your bearings oh we were there two days and it was really yeah. difficult to get your bearings but in actual fact i thought when i was there i thought oh, god this is really frustrating i don't know where the hell i am uh <laughs> you know but in actual fact, it was quite good because you, it becomes this little maze, and then you come across certain things that you perhaps may have missed or something yeah. like that. And then you, uh, and so I quite like that. Of you know, you just come across something, and we came across some great sort of some. You, you've got the obvious Nikon, Canon, Sony, all of those guys with yeah. their big stands and everything. But then you've got all these smaller ones, yeah, um, which you wouldn't out. have seen otherwise. And I think a few shout. I mean, Newell was yeah, one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, which we had a little interview with we did um there was another one which was it's, it wasn't really photography equipment it's like books and sort of photography sort of not memorabilia but there's things like um uh street photography pack pocket guide and trivia questions and things like that and it was a uh, rocky nuke i really yeah. like them and in fact they gave us some ideas for something to do on the podcast didn't they which yeah they did <clears> yeah which will 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 sort of you know unleash at some point right, uh once yeah. we sorted out how to do it That's um right. but uh yeah yeah, we've got um, some exciting stuff coming up. Um, uh, you know, working with um, uh, doing some stuff with Manfrotto with the company yeah. Newell. There'll be all sorts some yeah. exciting times coming up for this podcast. So, if you're a regular listener, keep on listening because you know there's going to be some really interesting stuff coming up, some great product reviews, competitions, some great prizes yeah. to be won, all of those sort of things. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, so we're, we're, we're very much looking forward to that. Shout out to some other people that you will hear shortly from uh, uh Leather Rebel, uh, a couple who came over from the Netherlands with their camera straps. I thought that was uh you know a lot of people made a lot of effort to, to get to the show having come yep. from overseas and obviously the guest speakers it was great we caught up with chase jarvis had a quick chat with him yeah, very brief uh, chat very brief uh, that chat. wasn't recorded but yeah we had the brief chat but of course you know if you want to i mean his talk was really good wasn't it 
Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, really, really good. Yeah, uh, I mean, the things he spoke about was about sort of creativity, wasn't it? And yeah. you know, sort of uh, getting your ideas together, and 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 obviously, it's it's all like where you want to go. Um, it's difference between a map and a compass in your head, and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Really yeah, good. but you know, it, you'll get a better idea of it if you listen to the interview you did, Cam, in the last episode. I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, Tommy and Reynolds also. Is- yeah, oh, so on. I was going to throw in Tommy Reynolds there. Brilliant, great. Yeah. You know, it's great to have him on the show, and he's going to be coming back on again. Yes, he did chat say with he him. Would, didn't he? So some, that'd be cool. Yeah, some of the stuff that he said about you know um, wanting to you know uh, you know if you want to turn pro, he spoke about you know work life balance. He spoke uh, um, a number of things, but you'll hear from Tommy uh, shortly as, uh, when we yeah. when we're actually talking to him here yeah. as well. Um, Roberto as well. Yeah, so his show, because I know you had to do an interview with someone, didn't you? So I, I went into yeah. the show. Um, I mean, I, when I did the interview with him, he's such a lovely fella. Uh, and you can you can just tell the enthusiasm from him. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's boundless, really. Um, and, uh, you know, his his talk was exactly the same. And he's he's quite humble. You know, he shows up, it shows some of his earlier work, you know, when he first started out. And he's basically standing and saying, no, this works rubbish, you know. And, and, he, and he then describes how bad it is. And he's, and it's okay because he's taking the, you know, he's sort of, it's his own work. So, and he said, this is what's wrong with it and blah, 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 blah. And, and it, in, in a very humorous way, but in a very enthusiastic way. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, he was full of energy um lots of enthusiasm and you know he actually you know some of the things he said in during yeah. his show was 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 really good so if you yeah. if if you ever get a chance to catch him yeah definitely, definitely and thanks it. also i think only counts about six or seven but there were six or seven that came up to us mark so they're listening yeah. to us. we were handing yeah. out beer mats and uh we were, yeah. so if any of you were out there listening to this and you were given one of the photography bar beer mats do do enjoy that beer mat yes. and uh hope you enjoy that um i thought uh, um one thing i did notice about some of the stands nikon canon uh sony all had their big stand sigma as usual i did notice some of the the, the, the wedding album suppliers um had uh downsized a little bit on previous years i noticed companies like loxy probably still had all their products but mm. um that but some of the stands i noticed bef- going back sort of before covid were sort of downsized just a sign of the times i guess but they still had their products yeah. there having a presence there was great um yeah. i never thought that we got it got over busy which i thought was brilliant um i think it was a layout i think it, i think it was the way that the layout was was it was because yeah. i think i think there's probably was, lots of, there was lots of people there it was spread I mean, out more than yeah. I think it was before, which made it more crammed before. But this time you had the opportunity to speak to people. And I thought that was better. I thought that balance mm. that they had of space and exhibitors and people was really good. And I'd like mm. to sort of see that continue that it's mm. not all crammed into a smaller space. If they're ever thinking about yeah. doing that loads of exhibition stuff to see with prints. Um, you know, if, if you didn't go, um, do make a point of trying to go next year because I think it's yeah. uh, it's the main show here in the yeah. UK, uh, possibly in Europe. I'm not sure actually. I'm not sure, but it's definitely yeah. the big one in the UK, and yeah. it it lived up to it. To be fair, this weekend, yeah, that's last, right, last yeah. weekend. So, um, uh, so very, very good. Yeah. So I was really pleased. So, should we jump into all the interviews? So, yeah, I think uh, so. I think you know, so. Hi everyone, so I'm here with uh, Tommy Reynolds, um, we saw his talk on Saturday, it was really good about being a pro, but first of all, before we get into it Tommy, I suppose congratulations are in order, because since we last we spoke, you're now a dad. I am indeed now a dad, yeah, I've done so much growing up, I think in the, lo- the last time we had a proper show about two or three years ago, I've done so much growing up, I've 
Uh, we, me and my wife uh, and, uh, and now have a wife. So we've got married, we've moved into our first home, and we now have a child. So we've done all that in two or three years. So, yeah, we've done, done a lot since. We, hence the grey hair that you can see. <laughs> well, we've all got those coming about, unfortunately. But um, It's distinguished. Well, yeah. It's distinguished. That's what, that's what my wife says anyway. Yeah, that's what my wife says too. Uh, do you think they're lying? <laughs> yeah, probably. <Yeah. laughs> well, that, I mean, that leads me on because obviously your, your time now is obviously devoted to a certain little someone as well as everything else and that kind of leads us on to what you were kind of talking about with your talk as well which I thought was really good it was about being a pro photographer but a lot of a lot of big chunk of the talk was about time management yes. and uh, obviously very very um, on on, um, on 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 form as to what's going on in your life at the moment. Um, so yeah, tell us a bit about that. Um, how do you now sort of plan your time and, and all that kind of stuff, really? Yeah. I, so I thought I had my time management skills down before I had my little boy George so I've been a, as I explained on stage I've been a pro photographer for nine years and obviously when you become a freelancer you have control of your time and as I said I thought I had control over that but when you become a father what you thought you knew about time management is completely wrong so <laughs> now I treat my job almost like a nine-to-five job so I try I do my daddy duty in the morning and then when it gets to nine o'clock I am in my office and I try and be there and it is very hard as I explained on stage it's hard when if you do work from home because a lot of people think working from home is easy but it's, it can be hard when you have the distractions of the home comforts there it can be hard and as well as being a dad if you hear your little boy crying it, that's also hard to not tear yourself away from the laptop to see if they're okay so it's, been, it's, a, it's a really hard challenge um, that I'm only five months in and, and still getting my head around but now we're in a place where we're getting a routine now where he's old enough to get a routine and as I say treating it like a nine-to-five job has certainly been one of the best things for me yeah well it's, I'm glad to hear you feel you feel you're getting into a routine with a little one just wait until he's two man and uh <laughs> oh okay but have I got that to come yeah uh, yeah I mean I, I mean I don't have children myself but when I do I do a lot of family photography and oh my word two-year-olds you just cannot plan a time of day for the best them to come in so good luck with that thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I really liked as well because um I, I work from home a lot I, I think you do as well Cam don't you yeah well, I've got a uh, basically an office and working from home as well so I mix the two but one of the things I really did like about you saying is put your socks on <laughs> now I am I am very guilty of okay I'll get up maybe I'll look at a couple of emails or, or do a bit of Lightroom stuff to push it through then go for the shower yes. but you'd say no do it straight off like a routine like a nine-to-five yeah and, and it sounds silly but yeah so this was in the in the part of the talk where I was giving tips about how to stay sane when working from home and general tips of when working from home and uh, the first point was put your socks on because it's so easy in this day and age now where the whole world knows about zoom and if you have to if you get up and you have to jump on a zoom call in the morning you might not have you might you might not be dressed from the waist down let's be honest but putting my socks on or put it, even just putting my shoes on puts me in a different mindset and I, I just feel like I'm ready to work when I, when I do those things so as silly as it sounds it does work for me. Put your socks on, yeah. especially if you like me, where I even said on stage where I wear oh, socks. Oh, they, they are they are stunning socks, sir. <laughs> 
the, the wackier the socks, the more productive you are. Yeah, mine are quite boring. Mine are just boring old black, but yeah, I, f I feel like I've been unsocked, but yeah. As long as you got Outsocked. socks on. As long as you got socks on, it's fine. Yeah, so I think walking around here without any socks on would be uh, <laughs> would be kind of dangerous. Um, but yeah, so how, how are things, obviously year on, obviously I know you're now a dad and all that, but um, has has work changed a lot? Because we, we kind of, since the last show when I spoke to you, we kind of got it's kind of a year of fully back into it yes. from what was going on before with the pandemic and, and, and how's that been for you? Yeah, so since we learned that George, my son, was on the way I've made, I've made a conscious choice to change uh, the focus of my business instead of being more driven towards portraiture to actually now more towards weddings so now the, the wedding side of my business has now become the, the, the main focus and the reason for that was because uh, obviously I enjoy weddings but also I just I do earn more money doing weddings, so the financial gain from that as well. There's a bit more security as well. Like with weddings, I take deposits, so I kind of know when I'm going to get new balances coming in, and um, I'm just really enjoying this kind of new new journey where I'm focusing more of my time and energy on on weddings. And when I've done the portrait work that I, that I used to do an awful lot was more with music, uh, more music photography, working with music artists and. The music industry can be very much like a pedestal and you take a shot of an artist and in three or four months time they need new images for their website social media but at least with weddings you're capturing images of the most important day of their life and that's a, a huge responsibility and one that I take very seriously and also I think is an awful a great privilege to do so that's been the main focus since we learned we were having George's doing more weddings now. Ah, very interesting. I mean, so does that mean you basically get a, a break from it all every Saturday then when you're shooting a wedding? <laughs> exactly, but I try and be as best I can. I do the cooking and the cleaning. Um, I hope my wife's going to listen to this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's a very, very good dad, guys. Very good dad. <laughs> okay, uh, Tommy, I just wanted to ask Cam here, by the way. Thanks, Mike. All right. Okay. Um, uh, Mark, I have to say this, because uh, Tom, so Tommy's got some idea, but uh, I've been in the industry now for over 30 yeah. years, okay? And I say it every time, blah, okay? Blah, blah. However, okay, so I can relate to a lot of what, what you've said, okay? And, you know, uh, when I first started, I, my background was initially commercial photography, then I met a wedding photographer. It's quite unusual. I trained with him for two or three years before going out to shoot a wedding on my own. And now for 30 years, I've still been shooting weddings. And first of all, I can say you're... you're your way of doing the sort of nine to five thing, it's not going to last. <laughs> However, I was going to say working practices have changed yes. since I was doing it. But go on, you're gonna... No, but it's, it's an interesting point because other people have said that um, that they have be, be, becoming a father when, when their child gets to about four or five or they, or they start school. They've made the choice to move away from weddings because because of that because obviously they'll be at school so you'll only see them at the weekend. So people have said you may end up moving away from weddings again. Um, when they when they start going to school, but it's an interesting food for thought. Obviously, it's only five months, but at, right now it's um, it's it's a good move for me financially that I'm doing doing more weddings. So it'd be interesting to hear your point. Of view. Well, yeah, I mean, I, for me, it was something you touched on earlier on. It's it's so financially, wedding photography has been really good because you get your deposit. Customers will pay beforehand. So with my commercial clients, I'm still chasing them for 90 days for you know, and and more than that as well. Okay, so. The weddings is really good cash flow for the business, okay, so they, which is why I've continued to do them. I have tried to get myself out of them, but I haven't been able to. Yes. So I sort of continue to do it, sort of continue to do them. You know, but, but really, my, my question really was something that you said in your talk about that, was that it's that 
it's comparing yourself with others, okay? Because we, I remember going back years ago, you'd, we'd be looking through what was the yellow pages then to see who are my local competitors and who was advertising. It was just a, it was just a yellow page there. Yeah. Now we're able to see a lot more because what are they doing on, first of all, it was always their website. Is my website better than my local competitor's website? And now it's, you know, it, it's gone to YouTube, it's gone to Insta, it's gone to Facebook. And even though I've been doing it for so long, and I've carved out for myself a career that I've been really happy with for all these years. I've stayed in the industry, and yet I still find myself doing that. And something that you said about taking inspiration from, from a lot of it is really important. And I found that I've got a lot of my ideas from having looked at others as well. But it's still, I still find it a concern, you know, am I still relevant? Yeah, well, I think that's natural. As, as I said in my, in my talk, uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And that is so true. And, I, and whilst I was giving e examples and tips on how to stop comparing yourself, because I said on stage about three years ago, um, it's obviously not good to compare yourself, but it was, I didn't really give like a really valid or anything uh, context beyond that. And I said uh, the other day that if you learn to accept that, accept that you are comparing yourself to this maybe this particular person, and learn from it, take inspiration from it. Because I, I, and a tip for me is, if you leave a comment on that person, rather than ignoring it and be discouraged by it, leave a comment and say, do you know what? That's actually amazing work, well done. As Soon as I hit the post button, I feel so much better about myself and I don't feel like I'm comparing myself to them. But at the same time, I totally understand how, like you were saying back in the day, that that wasn't so much an issue. You would just maybe look at the website and if you didn't want to compare yourself, you just didn't look at their website. But with social media, when, they, when they're coming up in your peripheral vision all the time, that's when it kind of ke keeps hitting you. Like, oh, there they are again. There they are again. So it is, as you said, much more difficult n nowadays. And it's, it's inevitable. You'll, I'll still find myself comparing, but I'm far better at dealing with it and finding inspiration from it and uh, trying, to, trying to make work for myself and uh, being inspired from it. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a really good point because I think for a lot of people it can be quite disheartening when you think, you know, I think social media is one of the biggest things, it can, it's probably one of the things that can mislead other people, can't it? Because anyone, it's, it's about how you market it, how you market yourself. But I think something else that, that you were saying uh, was that, I think it was you that was saying that you don't have to be particularly great at what you do, it's how you market yourself. Absolutely. And so, you know, there are great marketers out there but are not, not great photographers, yeah. you know, and uh, but sometimes people can... But, you know, they're saying there on social media, hey, look how busy I am, look at me and everything. But in actual fact, that's not necessarily the case, you know, for a lot of people, is it? It's just the way they're marketing themselves. Absolutely, yeah. I, did, um, I, I raised an example. There's a, a, a violinist, Joshua Bell, who is one of the most, the highest paid violinists in the world. And he did a social experiment in Washington, D.C., where he went to a subway station and performed. He busked in, uh, randomly. And he was playing with a $1 million violin and not one person stopped to listen to him. And the music he was playing was the most beautiful piece of, piece of music I've ever heard from a violin, and no one stopped, which proves my point that you don't need to be the best. And the difference between him and another violinist, or the difference between uh, myself and other photographers, is the way you market yourself. You could be the absolute best like Joshua Bell is in his own right, but if no one knows who you are, you're gonna come up trumps. Yeah, it's a great point, it really is so. Yeah, cool. Well, I think that probably finishes up, to be honest with you. Um, Tommy, it's awesome to see you again. Thanks ever so much. We'll have to get you back on the show properly next time. No, we'd love to. Pleasure. Thanks ever so much. Excellent. Thank you very much and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Thank you very much. 
Okay, guys, we are now in the Canon stand. We're in a, a Canon booth, shall we say? We the that's room. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. The restroom. Okay, with media above ourselves here, being in the press room. Uh, we're with Media Metal from uh, Canon, and looking at um, Media's description, Media is a product intelligence consultant at Canon UK Limited, and she's laughing her head off here. Media, tell us what tell us what your role is here with Canon. <laughs> um, I basically provide support um, with professional photography um, cameras as well as professional video and print. Now with this new role. Um, so even though the title probably doesn't do it justice, it's everything Canon from the, uh, the very basic uh, point-and-shoot camera or very basic printer to our high-end 1DX, even C500 Mark II if we're talking video. Okay, great. So I'm going to ask you uh, in, in a moment like, what's hot on the Canon stand this year, what's the most popular product? But before we come on to that, yes. um, we get on the podcast, we get a lot of um, different people listening to the show. So we have students who are just starting out. Uh, we have experienced photographers who've been in the industry for many, many years as keen hobbyists. But people for, who are just starting out have got a general, general interest in photography and they're thinking they're dipping their toe in the water. What would you say is a good entry-level camera for those people? Ooh. It's a tough question because, I mean, it sometimes comes down to their budget as well because we, we usually, I mean, even this year, when, when I get someone asking me about what's the best camera for them to start... Um, I would say to give themselves a little bit more flexibility and to future-proof that product, um, we have now the um, EOS R10, which is one of our latest additions to the EOS R system um, cameras. Um, small, compact and light, um, you are looking at around £900 for the camera, but it is a camera that they can start using it, point and shoot, the menu is very simplified, um, that does give you the option to grow with it and do more. Uh, some of the features on that camera actually from the R3. Right, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because I guess technology sort of um, sort of works its way down from the top models down into the, 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 the other models, doesn't it? But, yeah, but if, so, if someone said, no, they just want something better than the phone to fit still in their pocket, then we do have our premium compact cameras like the um, G7X Mark III, uh, G5X Mark II. So they are compact cameras, but they give you the flexibility of adjusting most of the settings manually they have a slightly bigger triple sensor so the image quality would be better especially low light for example okay i like that because one of the questions i was going to ask actually sort of that relates to that about mobiles these days yeah. because people are doing pictures on their phones so if someone says i love doing pictures on my phone but i want to get something just that little bit better what's the step into like what what's what's the camera that where i can spend the least but is better than my mobile so something like the G7X Mark III, um, as I said, it is. It could be your point-and-shoot camera in your pocket. Um, it does give you the option to do more with it if you want to. And as I said, it does have a larger chip than the the very basic uh, point-and-shoot um, cameras. Um, that even I think our camera has the option to to do um, direct uh, videos to YouTube as well. So it depends on their interest. If it's just stills, or if they want to have a combination of photo and video. G7X would be the, the first starting point, very small. And then from that, then you start looking at mirrorless cameras. Yeah, because you, you mentioned it there, didn't you? The video element is huge, because I think really Canon were 
for the way I see it, Canon were the, the, the ones that introduced video into their sort of DSLRs, didn't they, yeah, initially? They were the, with the 5D Mark II. And that, and, and that can... That, I have still. I, I, and so do I. I've still got my Mark II. And that, and that, I won't get rid of it either. I, I, I have all of them up to the 5D4. <laughs> From you? the Mark One to the 5D4. So that really changed the industry, in my Massively, opinion. Yeah. Okay, because, it, you know, everybody went video. Um, and that's what got my interest in video. I ended up buying the, the C100 Mark II at the time, which was obviously a much bigger camera than the, uh, the, the DSLR range, but that's what got me into it. It was Canon that, that set that trend, didn't they? It, it, was the, it was that interest, but even probably diving slightly from this, um, if it wasn't for that, probably the Cinema EOS range that came out 2011 probably wouldn't have existed, but seeing the interest in large sensor cameras um, helped actually helped us develop the uh, Cinema EOS range and introduce the C300 then, as I said, just about three years later. And I think the role now, or you know, Mark, we've said it before, haven't we? The word photographers has changed now. We've become content creators. Yes. Okay, and then there's vloggers. Yes. Now, I don't think it, that re well, vloggers wouldn't have existed really without Canon's you know, sort of you know invention of putting video into their DSLRs. Um, I, th I would like to believe so. I mean, as I said, because beforehand you would, if you wanted photo, you'd go for a photo camera. If you wanted video, you'd go for either a very basic video camera or um, have to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on a dedicated video camera. Well, as with, from the 5D2 and so many more cameras afterwards, having that option. So you're getting a, a stills camera but that gives you the option to do video if you want to, made a massive difference. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember back in my Jessup's days, it was starting to happen there, to be honest with you, because uh, I think you had... When was that? I think it was the G4, the G5 at that time. It was like the so-called bridge cameras, yeah. and they all had these little oh, video the series, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They all had these little video functions yeah. I seem to remember. Not, not great, but it was the start, wasn't it? It, it was. I mean, again, I, I do have quite a few of those G series. Yeah. <laughs> They've got G9, G10, G12, um, and it is. I think it's the the accessibility and then the price. Because if we were to go back to 2010 price of a video camera wasn't wasn't like now two three thousand pounds and you're getting a, a decent photo and video camera you would have had to spend probably close to about 10 grand if not more um, so that did help and I think it did encourage people to do a little bit more because previously everyone used to be scared of video photo is easy to get to but video is always a scary element it's very different. Uh, well, I mean, editing video, it, 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 it seems like it should be very this, very much the same, doesn't it? Because it's camera and, you know, obviously f-stops and all that kind of stuff yeah. still are still the same. But it is it is a very different skill, I find. Um, but moving on to kind of products, last yeah. time I was here, I spoke to you guys, and it was all about the R5 and, and the R6. The R3 actually as well, because we launched it literally about three or four days before the, the, um, the photography show last year. Yes, I actually got a hold of it last year, which I was, yeah... <laughs> because we had like I think about three cameras and the cues for that camera were like crazy <laughs> so would you say it's about the R3 for you this show um, this year it's more about the EOS R system as a whole but in particular the R7 and the R10 because they are the latest addition to the range um, the two cameras that haven't been to many events um, so we've been getting more and more people asking about that the R10 in particular because it's a similar size to the EOS M50 so it's very small, light, and compact, but as I said, very powerful um, spec-wise for stills and video. 
Fantastic. And and would you say that's more for because uh, uh, we're going back to right at the beginning when cameras asking cameras for you know people starting out and I think you you, you also you said the R10 didn't you? So um, is it? I mean for the discerning student who's just starting their degree, R10 would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, we still get those interested in a, a proper digital SLR, so there is still an option there. Of course. And, and, and for that, we have like a 2000D, we have an 850D, 250D. Um, but for those that want to future proof that camera and use it for years to come, then definitely the R10 is great. I mean, we still have the EOS M50 Mark II, and I, I find myself having explaining the differences. And I think when uh, customers pick up the M50 and then pick up the R10 and see the there's hardly any weight difference between the two, but seeing the spec of the R10, automatically they've basically convinced themselves to go for the R10. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of concur. I mean, as someone who was last year went over from digital SLR to mirrorless, is now finding he's going to have to buy some new lenses and all that kind of stuff, so it all fits. If you if you can go for the mirrorless, I definitely would. Do you, but again, we have over a hundred EF lenses out there. That's and true. With the adapter, you can still use those. We we do have a great range of EF lenses, and. The great thing with that is whether they go EFM cameras or RF system, RF system cameras or digital SLRs, the EF lenses will work with the three systems. So they do have that flexibility. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I've got uh, just one more question, uh, if you don't mind me here. Now, it's all going mirrorless. W would you agree? It is heading that way, yes. I think, okay. I think mirrorless is going to be the future at some point, yes. <laughs> so we are now 2022. Yes. When do you think Canon... Right, we'll stop making DSLR. That's an on-the-spot question. Come on, um, what a great question! I don't think, to be honest, I don't think I have it. <laughs> I don't have a date. Um, I still, even as a um, photographer slash videographer, I still love the DSLRs. I love, as I said, I still have all my dish SLRs. I still love to use them. The one series in particular. Um, we will, we will carry on making dish SLRs as long as our customers want them. That's the main thing. Yeah. I mean, there are still customers out there that still prefer um, using digital SLRs, um, even though now more, I think, a higher percentage of them have moved to mirrorless with the R5 and the R6 and the R3, but there are still other customers out there wanting digital SLRs. I mean, I'm guessing it's more about the support for your, your current yeah. digital SLR customers. That is probably, rather than sort of, rather than new customers buying digital SLRs it's just supporting those people who have already invested it's, it's in that giving, system yeah it's giving them that peace of mind because the last thing a customer wants is to to buy a camera this year and then find out oh next year they're not going to be any support obviously they're, they're, they're always going to be support for digital SLRs and for EF lenses because I remember that when I went from shooting film from medium format and then had to go to DSLR, that was a big jump for me. That was a real fear factor. I moved to digital and I much preferred shooting on film. I was more confident shooting film. And then going back a few years ago, now back to 2009, when I went from DSLR, uh, sorry, that was DSLR from, uh, sorry, from film to digital I went to in 2009. Yeah. And then in about the last three years, I went to, I sort of moved to mirrorless now. And it's only in the last year I've I've completely stopped you know using DSLR it's now completely mirrorless but there was a fear factor for me and I think there's probably a fear factor for a lot of people from going from DSLR to mirrorless it was for me as a professional anyway um, I mean if, if you were to go to probably on the on the entry level I think the majority have probably already moved to the mirrorless because it's smaller lighter more convenient on the professional level I think all, all the professional photographers that use Canon that they know no matter which camera they use that 
we're still going to be able to support them. I mean, we see that at like CPS events, sporting events, where we either as kind of professional services, Wimbledon, um, Commonwealth Games, for example, you still loads of 1DXs, still loads of 5Ds, 7Ds as well. Um, so photographers are using them because they know if anything goes wrong with that camera, they're, they're still going to get the support from the, um, the Canon services. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Media. Really you. appreciate you talking to us. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hope it's a success for you guys. I'm sure it will be. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so guys, I've stopped at, at the Newell stand, um, and I, was, I stopped because they've got a, a range of battery grips, third-party battery grips, and I was just chatting to Paul, who's on the stand here, um, and Paul, I, you were telling me some interesting news about the third-party camera grips, because I'm looking to get uh, the can, uh, grip for the Canon R6, yeah. and, uh, but when I had my Nikons, I always used third-party grips, which I thought were actually ab absolutely brilliant. The grips, for those people that don't know, are the things that attach to the bottom of your camera, uh, allowing you to put a, a battery in there or a second battery, and also allows you to shoot vertical as well, and having your shutter button on the side as well, and I love them. Yeah, but so um, Paul, you were saying to me about these third-party grips. Yeah, so Canon referred to them as grips, Sony vertical control grips. You're absolutely right. You can turn the camera and hold it vertical for portrait, and you've still got a lot of the controls that were normally on the rear of the camera body replicated on the grip so that you've got the same button placement and vertical sh uh, release, vertical shooting. And then inside, some of them take one battery, some of them take two, and in some our cases, some of them can be switched over to double A's if you get stuck and you need to pop to your local garage or 24-hour convenience store and just pick up some Duracells. Um, so they're as functional as the manufacturer's original. In many cases, they've got the same moulding as the Canon or Nikon or Sony original, uh, but for a fraction of the price. So you could be talking hundreds of pounds in the case of the Sonys, a lot of money for an original Sony for no performance advantage or very little performance advantage or build quality difference or anything. They are, from Newell, much more value for money. Uh, with a 40-month warranty, so it's not even like you're buying a despect product. Um, Newell is a power brand. It's a Polish company, as it happens. It's over 10 years old now. They um, they have their own factories in China, and in the case of the batteries that we make, are actually Japanese cells from the same uh, source as the camera manufacturer's original battery. Uh, here at the show, we've launched the first three batteries with USB-C on board. So where normally you would take your battery and put it into a charger to charge it, in the case of these, having USB-C on board makes it so much more convenient to be able to top up your battery on the move. You could plug it into a, another battery, like a power bank, you could plug it into your computer, you could plug it into your, uh, your car, you know. Uh, anything that can provide a USB-C connection can now recharge LPE6 batteries, uh, Nikon ENEL 15Cs and uh, Sony FZ100. So the three most popular batteries on the market now have USB-C with typically more capacity than the manufacturer's original. So in the case of uh, an LPE6, uh, it's 2150 from, from, sorry, 2130 from Canon original. It, our uh, USB-C battery is 2300 milliamp hours. So it's more power with more technology 
for less price because they're only yeah. £75. I know, they're a fraction of the price. I think they're, I think they're great value. The, the USB, connecting just with the USB-C, I think is, is, is a great idea. It's really obvious, but the obvious ideas are the, you know, the ones that you look for that uh, you come across and that aren't really available. But this one is, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Well, what I really like about it is you don't have to take your battery chargers with you. You know, we're always looking about where you can... Uh, you know, reduce the amount of stuff you take. I mean, I take about two or two charges with me. Um, I wouldn't need to do that now, just a plug in the USB. And yeah. But just to add, you can actually still charge it through the charger. So yeah. if, if brain fade kicks in and you just grab it out the bag and put it in the charger, nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. It's just as compatible as a regular battery, but you've got the benefit of being able to plug a cable straight into it. And just back to the battery grips again, Genius as I said, I've used them for, I mean, I was used to using the grip because it was built on the, the D4S when I had the Nikon D4, D, D3, D4, D4S. And then once I moved and changed it a little bit, went to the D750, I bought, uh, that didn't come with a grip. Um, so I bought the third party ones, never had a problem when I had two of them on, on two cameras. Absolutely brilliant. So I, wasn't headed to, I wouldn't hesitate in buying a third party camera grip at all. And when uh, Neil do... Uh, do release the Canon R6 I think I'll be buying one straight away in the meantime I will have to buy a dedicated Canon one and spend the money Paul thank you very much thank you Cam nice to see you okay right guys we are on the Nikon stand with Neil Freeman and uh, Neil I was just looking for your normally there's a job title but it just says Nikon on yours so what's your role here on the Nikon stand so I run Nikon school so which is the education part of Nikon so we train delegates, retailers, to really get the most out of the cameras and know sort of what a Z9 can do or something like this new lens we've announced today, which is 1728, brand new, just come out today. So we teach and we inspire people about photography. Yes, yeah, I've seen the Nikon schools sort of, you know, right for a few years, I've seen that it's there. Is, is, is that like hugely subscribed? To Yes, it is. We, um, to be perfectly honest, we can't get enough courses on the website quick enough. Uh, a lot of the feedback we get is all the courses are sold out, so we're building waiting lists. I think post-COVID, lots of people really want to get the camera back in their hand, and we're seeing location courses really, really sort of get really popular now. We do have online courses as well. They're still popular, but this balance between doing sort of online courses is a great way of learning and then going out on location. Personally, I still think location, getting a camera and a lens in your hand and shooting that landscape or photographing the wildlife is, is, is the way to learn. But online and location together, we have a hybrid model like that, so it, it really works and it's really popular with the delegates. Right, so as far as those courses are concerned, as, uh, do you have courses, do they start from complete beginner to very advanced? Yeah, well, our courses cover a wide range. So we'll go from this is your first mirrorless camera, these are what the buttons do, to going up to Mull and learning how to photograph puffins in flight with your Z9 and your 400 f2.8. And we've got a range of courses in between as well, whether it's landscapes, wildlife, portraiture, you just want to know the buttons on the camera, we cater for ability levels or photography ability levels across the entire spectrum. Mm, that's really good. So talking about gear, obviously that's what everyone's looking at here and as usual the Nikon stand is busy, got loads of people with their hands all over the cameras there. Um, what's the hot product this year? Hang on, before I just say it's generally what's the hot product, I'm going to change the question slightly. What's the hot product under say, okay under a thousand? That, um, the hot product under a thousand pounds would be the Z30. 
So that is our new uh, vlogging camera that came out about a month ago. So that's aimed at vloggers. So it's a very lightweight camera. It doesn't have a viewfinder. Um, really great for being out and about, tilt screen on it, very angled screen made specifically for youtubers and content creators that's having a lot of interest here today um really really popular yeah because the role now in photography has changed and we talked about this on the on the podcast before the word photographer now is is changing it's becoming content creator it's becoming vlogger that type of thing so when you get people coming to the stand are you getting fewer you, do you get now people not necessarily saying you know they don't say i'm a photographer they say i'm a content creator do you, are you finding more and more of that very much so yes yeah the word professional photographer has evolved and what photographers do we first saw that go from stills photography embraced video and now with smaller cameras like the z30 people can go out and about create content on the fly so we're seeing a lot of content creators or youtubers instagrammers uh, just really generally creative people and it's great because we can put the cameras in their hands the lenses in the hands and they can be yeah as creative as they want to be so and then now now we talk at the other end we're talking about i suppose it's the z9 uh, so where are we with delivery on the z9 at the moment in the uk um z9 has been hugely successful for us we are making the cameras as quickly as we can but it has blown us away with how much sort of the the demand for that camera we're seeing on the workshops and things like that we are producing them as quickly as we can and um, lots of delegates on our workshops have z9s and i've been speaking to a number of people here today that have just recently received them so we're making them as quickly as we can the delivery is coming through um, but yeah just sort of be patient you will get a phenomenal camera um, when your order comes yeah, okay so yeah no that's uh, you know we, we know there's delay, delays on it. that's perfectly understandable so um the Z9, why is it such a sort? I mean, it's the flagship model. I think any Nikon flagship model is always going to be sought after. It's always going to be hugely subscribed. But, but, but what is it about the Nikon Z9? For the Z9, I think it really hits that peak. We had the with DSLRs, we had the D850, which just did everything. There really wasn't a picture it couldn't take. The Z9 really comes into its own with being able to do, I'm a landscape photographer and a wildlife photographer. I now don't need two cameras in my bag. This does both of those exceptionally well. I do astrophotography as well. It's got great performance, uh, starlight mode, so I can focus on stars, great ISO performance. I also do a lot of portraiture. We've got the tilt screen on the back now. It can do loads of things for all sorts of photographers. It is, It really is that one camera. And the standout feature for me, speed of the autofocus. Regards whether I'm tracking vehicles, people, um, sort of wildlife, it just does it. And my photography has got a lot better and I haven't actually increased my talent. I can put a lot of it down to the camera, which is the last time I could say that was probably the D3, which is, a long time ago oh, oh yeah the d3 is still my favorite camera you know i mean the, i had mine i don't know how many actuations that it did but it was well gone past itself by day but actually that leads on well to my next question because i went from d3 still the best camera ever for me anyway uh, i went to d4 then i went to d4s and then i actually changed and i went to d750 would you believe I, I, I actually dropped down because i wanted to make my gear a bit lighter i think a lot of the flagship model uh, all the benefits were being filtered down into some of the other cameras and the d750 say wedding photographers it was it was being said and i agree with this it was the best camera for wedding photographers d750 was an absolutely amazing camera 
where are Nikon now with DSLR cameras? I mean, we know it's going mirrorless. You know, are, uh, what percentage do you think of people are still saying, I want to buy a new DSLR? I don't want to go mirrorless at all. I still want to go DSLR. That's a really good point, the D750, fantastic camera, D850, fantastic camera again, just because we've released mirrorless cameras doesn't make them sort of obsolete cameras, they're still really good as tools to manage light. We're making cameras to meet the demand of what consumers want and we're having more and more conversations about mirrorless. If people want DSLRs, I'm sure we would make them as well, but everybody seems to want smaller and lighter. I had a D850. I change to my Z7, Z7 II, smaller, lighter, I do a lot of hiking. Mirrorless was perfect for me, and it is perfect for a lot of people. But I think while the demand's there for mirrorless, we'll make mirrorless cameras. If DSLRs come back into demand, I'm sure we'll look at that again. Great stuff. Thank you. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you for that. And uh, all the best for the carrying on here on the Nikon stand. It's busy as it is always. Cheers. Thanks, Neil. Right guys, we are standing right in the middle of the Sony stand with friend of the show, Mark Baber. And Mark, I'm just going to turn your ID badge because I'm going to see uh, DI Marketing. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm the event manager for Sony's photo channel and I work in the digital imaging marketing team. Right, okay, so we're spending some... Gaffer. Yeah. He's the gaffer. He's the gaffer. I wouldn't say that, but... Uh... <laughs> so I think I think every time we've gone to a trade show and Sony have been there, Mark, you've always been like the, the, the main person that's been there, the go-to guy. So I'm sure for most of you, if you do go to a trade show, you are probably going to see Mark at most of the shows representing Sony. Is that, is that right? Yeah, You're yeah the... that, that's effectively my role. I uh, put together consumer events, both face-to-face -face online. Um, we've done, uh, we, you know, we can do between 100 and 200 events each year. And, uh, you know, I'm the guy that, uh, the person that's setting it up, putting it together, packing it down and, and meeting customers as well. So uh, the whole point is people get a chance to test the kit, have a bit of fun as well, learn, and um, hopefully they uh, go off and buy either on the day or uh, in the future. So, yeah, it's all good fun. Well, that's what the trade shows are all about. Now, I, I've always thought that Sony have been real innovators in everything. Okay, because I think it's something that you'd said and something I've thought about, that Sony have had the technology of their PlayStations, of their TVs, of their cameras, their video cameras, all the hi-fi stuff and everything they do. And I think they implement a lot of that in their camera technology, more so than probably any of the other manufacturers. But I've always thought that Sony have been sort of leaders for innovation. What would you say? Well, it's very kind of you to say that. Um, I've worked for previous uh, camera manufacturers in the past who have also been very innovative. Um, we, you know, we're a consumer electronics company and um, when people come to trade shows uh, and events, uh, they're coming to discover. So they may know of Sony Music, Sony Pictures, PlayStation and so on. So um, that, that can only be a positive thing because we have obviously engineers that do a crossover in different technologies. Um, and hopefully we put all that together to give something that the consumer may not get elsewhere. Uh, but in terms of innovation, you think you look at eye autofocus, the tracking, how sticky the autofocus is, how it locks on, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that's just one example of when people are looking for Sony, they want it demonstrated. And there's no better place than, you know, the photography show to, to do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's good. Now, we get a lot of people listening to the show. We get students listening to the show to photographers that have been in the industry for years. So we get a wide range of hobbyists. And let's talk from a, like a keen hobbyist who, who's thinking, I want to dip into the Sony brand. I want to get my first Sony camera. 
putting budget aside for a moment, for somebody who's just starting out on their photography journey, what, what's a good starting point? What's a good model to get for the Sony for that first dip? Uh, good question. Um, the, we have two, two different formats of, of technology in the camera industry, full frame and APS-C. Of course, the APS-C cameras are lightweight, really small, and have uh, smaller lightweight lenses as well. So that's an option in terms of uh, not necessarily entry, but an option for, for all levels of photography. And then we have the full frame range, uh, which again starts at the A7 series, which is like an all-rounder, uh, pretty good in low light, resolution, speed, and at a price that maybe isn't as expensive as say uh, a specialist camera that's made for low light, resolution, or, or, or autofocus. So um, when you mix all that up together, you've then got video or stills and the one thing they all have in common is they shoot video and stills so the processor inside obviously got to be very good to do both so I can't give you a model number but you could start off at a ZVE10 APS-C go right up to the uh, A1 you know, which is uh, you know that sits at the top of the range. That's a flagship model the A1? Yeah flagship model and then again for those who aren't aware of the system um, the one major message that I think people don't realize is the lens mount and the lens mount the e-mount Sony mount is a system that fits all so it's the same mount at APS-C level and also full frame so the 70 native lenses we've got in the range can fit any of those cameras without an adapter so you've got a native autofocus system whether you start off at entry level and build your lens range throughout the years to come but they'll all fit on your future camera without using an adapter. And I think that's a, an amazing thing to be able to find out when you come to you know, trade shows. It is, because you're future-proofing whatever model you buy, aren't you? You're not, you're not really, uh, you're not stuck and thinking, I need to upgrade to be able to go on to the next set of lenses, say, for example. Yeah, it, you know, it's a system that was invented from the ground up with a, with a, with a, with a purpose that you don't need to have an adapter. Um, there are many brands out there that have brought mirrorless cameras into the market um, that if you want to use your older heritage legacy lenses, which you know, are obviously very good, you need an adapter. Uh, you know, Sony have started out you know, many years ago with, with, with mirrorless and uh, now have 70 in the range, which is amazing. So from you know, 12 millimeter wide right up to 600 millimeter uh, in a telephoto. So if you're a you know, landscape portrait, whatever photography you are, you pretty much know that you're gonna have some form of lens of different varieties of quality throughout the range uh, without thinking, well, they've only got a few lenses, well, actually, we haven't, we got, we got, oh, yeah. So I noticed that you've got, um, just to, to the right of me, you've got a small part of the Sony stand is dedicated to vloggers. It says Sony made for vloggers. So are you finding, I mean, in the past, this show used to be the photography show. That's what it was. And now it's the photography show and the video show, to give it its full name. So are you talking to many people who are coming here specifically just for video, using that word, I'm a vlogger, I'm a content creator, I just do video only, this is all I want it for? Or is it still pretty... I mean, it's predominantly photographers, yes. But are you finding that people are really just here, just also just looking for the video element of things? Have you scripted these questions? Because they're very good. Um, so, in the last couple of years, if you look at the model releases we've had, A7S III, um, ZV-E10, uh, ZV-1, the compact vlogging camera, um, FX, uh, FX3, uh, and so on, um, 
we haven't released that many video cameras in, in, in the last few years. So in, in the last few years, we have. So I think you've been, we've seen a huge shift of customers uh, coming to trade shows like the photography show who are, vi- who are looking for a video camera. So I think uh, the, mar- the whole landscape of you know, buying cameras has changed. And I think, you know, going back to the first question about innovation, I think this is where people are looking at uh, brands like Sony because it's not just the stills element, it, it's the video. And then when we brought in the FX3, you know, a cinema line camera that now bridges that gap between alpha and the high-end cinema cameras that we've not had before. So take into consideration that lens roadmap of you know, 70 lenses without an adapter, you can go from the entry level right up to the Venice uh, with the same lens mount. So it isn't just for the consumer, it's for all levels, which is only a good thing. So yeah, content creators, uh, it's not a buzzword, they're there, they're out there, they're looking for good video kit as well as stills. Um, and although the photography show predominantly is more stills photographers, we are seeing uh, a lot more uh, video customers. In fact, what we should have probably done is dedicated a bigger area in terms of how many people have been here because like this morning, uh, we had to put extra staff on the video counter because more and more people were asking about it. So uh, Yeah, I can believe that because I use Sony gear for video. So that's what that one of the one of the reasons why I wanted to ask that question because I love it for its video. So I use a mix of Sony lenses and some of the Samyang Cine lenses on that and that system. It's it's great. But no, it's, you know, power on I know, because no, because but, because to be honest, budgets do come into it. You know, I mean, some of the you know the, the the Sony Cine lenses are incredible lenses, but they are a huge range. And my work doesn't justify that spend really. So using the but but the actual the Sony cameras themselves for video to to me, I think compared to the others, it, it's a no-brainer. You know, um, you know, I love the Sony range. Well, um, you know, again, I think again with the releases we had A7S3, FX3, uh, you now have S-Cinetone. Uh, so the color matching now uh, is, is you, know, le- you know, ideally less editing time. You can match the different cameras uh, and, and uh, you know, and that matches with, you know, CinemaLine FX6 and so on. So uh, I think that's quite an important message that whatever you're getting it, those levels you're, you're you're you can you know if you're going to buy something new in the future and it's the next level up then you workflow is obviously really really important great stuff okay thanks mark ever so much uh sony stands looking great it's busy as always thanks for joining us again and guys if anyone's out there is interested in sony do have a serious look they it, it really is a, a camera range that's worth investing in Okay, right, guys, we've stopped here with... Sue. Sue, hi, Sue. Sue is a visitor to the show. What have you been buying, Sue? I've noticed that you've got a London Camera Exchange uh, bag. What have you been buying? Well, I'm trying to spend very little, so we've bought a... <laughs> Twice. We've bought a couple of small things, camera straps, okay. uh, uh, uh a few little bits that are. We're trying not to spend lots, but I have had my eye on a few things. It's hard, isn't it? It is difficult. So what, what do you do? What sort of photography do you do? I do events photographer. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yep. And you do you do that professionally? Yes. You do, yeah. Yes, but things are changing in the event world, so we're looking at sort of new things, different ways of doing things, and that's what I'm looking at today. Okay. I mean, th- that's what the trade shows are about a lot of the time. It's for inspiration, getting ideas, and what type that type of thing. What cameras do you use? What brand do you use? Uh, we use Canon. Right. Okay. Even yeah. though I've got a Nikon bag. Well, oh, you have. It's, it's only Nikon branded. It's London Camera Exchange. So. Well, okay. I, I don't care. But yeah, right. we, we use Canons professionally. Good. Uh, how many days have you been at the show? Is it just for today? Normally we come uh, for the last two days, uh, but yesterday, of course, we we went to the funeral in London yesterday, ah, okay. and then we've come here today. Okay.
Brilliant. Thanks, Sue. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you very Cheers, much. thanks. Okay, right, guys, I have stopped here with Laura Spires Photography and with uh, Julie Smith from Bubbles Julie Photography. Hi, guys. Hi. So, uh, what sort of photography do you do? Julie, so, uh, I sort of do composites, so I do like fantasy based bits and pieces. Cosplay so, type stuff. Yeah, kind stuff, of, yeah. yeah, yeah, just kind of smushing like stock photos together with models and all sorts. Yeah, just creating stuff that doesn't exist actually in the real world, yeah. Right. Okay, Jenny, what, you, what sort of stuff I do you do? I am a wildlife photographer and I do macro photos as well, so that's mainly what I do. Right, okay, brilliant. And do you both do it professionally? Do you do it sort of part-time? Are you doing something else? Where are you at? I'm in Ireland. Um, I do so I do work at other things as well, but I do um, paid work as well, commercial as well. So. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I've got another job, but I do it. It's like two time, two full time jobs with photography and my business. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> so what have you seen? Have you bought anything while you've been at the show? Have you bought any equipment or anything? I, I see. You've, I see you've got your cameras with you. You've obviously just bought those to the show just to be shooting. Uh, what have we got? A Canon and Nikon, Yuna. Yeah, Canon. I shoot Canon. So this is small compared to what I usually use. Like I have a 500 Prime I use at home. Whereas walking around here, you're not going to walk around here using a 500 Prime. R5. Yeah. Okay. So what have you been um, have you been tempted by oh, you must have been tempted to when you're looking at all the gear here is there anything that you've seen that you think oh that would be the my ultimate purchase. Kind of at the moment I'm I'm looking into more um, what are they called? Uh, not strobes. Constant light. Oh my god, there we go. The words have gone from my head. It's been a long long weekend. Um, so just to kind of add into what I do to make it easier to take around um, on, on shoots outside so um, something like rotor lights um, that's kind of what I'm looking at at the moment I've actually brought some lenses to trade in at the show to then hopefully buy something we'll see how much I get for them so <laughs> depends on whether I might get the lights by the end of the day well, how, about, how about yourself Jen? What, have you seen anything or what would be your dream purchase do you know I like I have an R5 I brought I left it at home but the R7 is coming out I was like I have it ordered in Ireland I'm, I'm waiting to get it like it was on a waiting list for it so I went to see a wildlife photographer yesterday and she had it as her second camera um, so I'm, I'm excited about getting that but I'm not going to get it here at the show but I might get something completely uh, the other end of the scale I'm looking to get a 11mm lens Oh, that's different, yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. expect that. That's right, yeah. Cool. Normally, you ask people, I'm looking for a 2470, 24105, yeah. or a 200, yeah. or 11mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you said about uh, rotor lights. Rotor lights are amazing. There's a, there's a photographer here, I don't know if you've heard of him, Terry Donnelly. Um, Not on my radar, but okay, so Terry Donnelly, if you go to the Sony stand and just ask for him, he's one of their flagship sort of photographers okay. there. He uses rotor lights a lot. The work that he does with rotor lights is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really worth just going and ask for him on the stand and say, could you tell me a, bit, a little bit about rotor light? Yeah. Really highly recommend. Uh, Terry Donnelly is the name but okay, go over there he's on yeah all right good stuff thank you guys enjoy the rest of the show okay so guys i've stopped in speaking to jamie jamie is a photographer and jamie this is your first time to the show is that right yeah first time here uh impressed and overwhelmed in the same breath it is isn't it because there's there's one there's obviously a lot of people here there's so much gear um there almost seems to be no flow the flow is very difficult because you get lost very easily um, yeah, I'm trying to find this little bookshop that I saw earlier, and I swear to God I've gone round in circles about five times so far, and um, yeah, I haven't found it yet. Well, we might be able to help you out there, it might be the same bookshop that Could we... Be Rookie Nook? Possibly. Could be Rookie Nook. Yeah, Okay, so we'll find out, yeah. yeah. So what sort of photography do you do? 
Um, portrait, fashion, yeah. uh, fantasy, art. Because I can't draw, I can't paint, but I can use Photoshop. Oh, no, that's all right. That's 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 good. I like that. So, um, do, do, do you do it professionally? Is it a keen hobby? Are you looking to do it professionally? Uh, uh, well, I'm I'm kind of like multidisciplined. Uh, my main source of income is product photography, uh, but the the portraiture is kind of like thirty five percent of my business. Yeah, that's good. What about camera brand? Have you got pre preference on camera brand? Are you can uh, Nikon, Sony, uh, Canon? Well, I started off with Canon. Oh my god, the 500 film, oh, yeah, because yeah. I'm that old, yeah, great camera. And then, uh, stayed with Canon for god knows, till two years ago, and then I jumped ship to Sony because they brought out the A7 uh, R Mark IV. Do you know, look, I've done it, there's nothing wrong with jumping ship. Sometimes we get into a brand and we sort of get dedicated to that brand and we're all in that brand. For me, it was always about buying the right gear for the right job. That's how I've always done it. So I've gone from Nikon, then went to Sony, back to Nikon, now I've gone Canon. So and I find that really good. I think it's a really good thing to do, to find something that's right for you and having jump brands. So, great. Is there anything here that you've seen that, you, you, that, that would be your dream purchase? Um, right now, the only thing that I'm currently dreaming of is an 8-5mm Prime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, I've just forked out 1100 quid on a new computer, so I'm a little bit skint right now. It's always a way, isn't it? But uh, anyway, but you know, these these places, these shows, they give you that bit of inspiration, don't they? And uh, it make you want to buy that. And I'm sure you will get it at some point. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Christ, I could go bankrupt just looking to my left. <laughs> You know, uh, I walked to my right and, you know, oh, I could have bought a house. You know, everywhere you turn, there's good deals on. It, it's just a case of, it's, it's like anything else, like Comic Con or out like that. Yeah. If you want something, you're going to have to have the money to buy it. You can't get around it. Yeah. Good stuff. Jamie, thank you ever so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of the show. Right. Okay, so guys, we've stopped here and we've uh, bumped into Alex and... Uh, Alex, have you been to the show before? Is this your first time? I think I've been maybe three times before. Yeah. Are you just are you just here for today, or are you? Yeah, do you, yeah I'm just here for today. Just for today. Okay. Anything particular that you're looking for at all? Or are you just having a general wander around? Uh, a couple of things. I came to see Loxley's, the printing people, Alamy, the uh, picture library, and I came to look at the new Nikon D. Was it? Z9 or 9, whatever it is called. Z9. 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 Yeah. Z9. Okay, so we've been talking to Nikon about that because obviously there's a shortage of stock. Yeah. So if you do order one, I think there's a bit of a wait for it, yeah. but it is on its way. Great camera. So you obviously you, you are a Nikon user. At the moment, but I might be going to Sony. Ah, very interesting. Another another <laughs> one who's going to jump, possibly jump ship. <laughs> join the join the gang, Alex. Join the gang who's jumping ship. So um, why why are you thinking of going from Nikon to Sony? Um, I got told that even though you can get an adapter for the, uh, was it Z9? Yeah. That they don't work that well with the old lenses, and then you end up buying old, buying new lenses as well. And then if you're going to have to buy new lenses, you might as well look at a bigger, you know, load of cameras really. Yeah, I do. I do agree with you. The adapters, as great as they are, I, I do think that you know you can't be a dedicated camera body and lens you know that's that's 100% dedicated well, no, it is oh, this, I Canon think they are 
they are great, but I, I do think I would expect a slightly better performance from a dedicated. You know, you, you would expect no, that. I just got told that somebody got one of the very early Z9s. He had the adapter, and then within a couple of weeks, he went back saying, "I need." He just found it wasn't actually focusing as well as he wanted it to. And also, I have to say, I just picked one up fairly recently, and it didn't feel that comfortable in the hand, which I found quite surprising. You know, I, I thought it would be just like holding a D5, and it doesn't seem to be exactly the same as a D5. It seems a bit uncomfortable. I think that's really, you know, ergonomics are really important with cameras, and I think that holding and feel that, that feel of a camera is absolutely crucial, especially when you've been used to something, you know, for so long, and the DSLRs are at a curve round. I, I mean, personally, I think the, the, the Nikons and the Canons are really good ergonomically, more so probably compared to the Sonys. Uh, you know, but that's just the way... It feels for me, and I think it's different yeah, for everyone else. Some people I know swear by the Sony ergonomics. The thing is, if it's not exactly the same as a D5, I, then it's sort of, I don't know, the Sony might, you know what I mean? Then you sort of start going, well, I might try the Sony. I mean, I don't think the ergonomics on the Sony is great, but also Sony is still ahead of the game. That's the problem. Sony are like, if you're going to get you, and the problem is I have to go mirrorless. I don't particularly want to go mirrorless. My cameras are fine. But people are now saying, we want a ca do you have a silent camera? And then if you've got a silent camera, there's only, I think there's one Canon you can get, one Nikon and a couple of Sonys, which you can use under any lighting conditions. All the other ones, you've got to be a bit careful of flicker. Hey, we've been there and, and everything that you've said, I can, I can totally relate to. Alex, thank you so much for uh, stopping there and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, guys, we've got John and Neil. And Neil, I see that you've got a Wex bag with a Sigma lens, okay? And it looks pretty hefty to me. <laughs> what, really what have you bought? Uh, I've got the 150 to 600 uh, contemporary lens. Oh, that's a big old lens. With uh, teleconverter in it as well. So, it's doing a fantastic price, I couldn't resist it. So what was the, what was the actual discount on the, on what? Well, that, that, this what lens was um, selling for 850, and they're doing that with the teleconverter, so you get the teleconverter for nothing. Free, yeah. We always say that the, the trade shows are the best, aren't yeah. they, to get you deal? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, it's just, if you're going to get make that big purchase, do it here, without a doubt. So what are you going to be using the lens for? What are, you've obviously bought it, that, that specialist. <laughs> wildlife, wildlife, definitely um, wildlife. Might do a bit of sports with it as well, so... Is it something you do professionally? Is it a hobby? Is it sort of part-time job? Hobby, part-time, trying to break in so into the, into the uh, professional world. Yeah, good. So, is it a lens that you'd been sort of looking looking out for? What I'm sure it is. It's not something you just buy on impulse, is it? No, well, well, part impulse, but but it's one that I've been looking for for a long time, and um, the prices have gone up and not down. But when I come today, and I mean, this would normally be over the thousand mark with the teleconverter. So you're saving over three hundred pound on it. So fantastic, John. What about yourself? You, you're a keen, you're a keen photographer, or are you just helping yes. uh, Neil carry the lens that he's just bought? I, I come every year when I can and spend his money. It's much better than spending your own. It's great. But uh, no, I, I haven't spent anything as yet. Although um, I've seen the guy from Creative Photography. Um, I've been on his mailing list now for about three years, and I still haven't managed to get away for a few days with him. Because um, obviously it's nice to, I would imagine it's nice to go away with your camera equipment without a wife in tow. Um, so I'm, I'm going away hopefully in October with him for a few days up in, uh, in North Wales. 
So uh, that's the closest I've got to actually spending any money. <laughs> so, and I was warned before I came out this morning. But I, think, I think a lot of people have been warned, haven't they? So. Uh, yeah, yes. Especially wives and girlfriends and boyfriends uh, yes, and husbands. Yes. And, yeah. It's nice to see the photography show back because yeah. I come last year and it was a third of the size and a third of the people were here and with COVID. So it's nice to see back to its original size and, and the crowds are back. Yeah, because it's inspiring. You know, you feel... I want to do this, you know, and it's great to see everyone back, isn't it? So, good. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Thank you for stopping. Okay, enjoy the rest of the show. Cheers. 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 Thanks, guys. Okay, right, guys. Guys, I have stopped uh, Leonda and Anthony here. Okay, so we've got... uh, uh, Anthony, you work with Black Ink Photographic, and Leonda, you are UKB... F-T-O-G. What does that stand for? So it stands for the UK Black Female Photographers Community. Fantastic. And we stopped you and you've said you're exhibiting some work up here. And this is what we've come to. OK, you'll stand here, the community showcase with one of your images here. OK, so um, and your image is called Sheer Beauty. And it says it's by LA Creativity, just to give you a shout. Amazing. I mean, incredible just to have your work on display. OK, so what led you to your work being displayed here? Um, so because last year we um, was contacted by the photography show because they wanted to show more diverse range in their um, exhibition space so we got a community of 400 people to apply um, and then made a selection and had the images um, selected and put up on the wall they loved it so much they asked us to do it again so that's why we're back with a different selection of people and new images with the theme the theme of this exhibition is called black joy so how big is the actual community i mean how many people roughly are there within the how many photographers are there within that community roughly so we have different fractions so we have a facebook community private facebook group and there's over 450 members in that facebook group we also have people that are not on facebook but are on instagram Um, we have over 3k followers on instagram and we have also members that are not on social media emails so it's a vast range of people from all around the UK, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, South, London, everywhere around. So what about, what sparks your interest in photography? Is it from a young age? Is it something that you got into as you just got that little bit older? Is it something you discovered at school and thought, hey, I quite fancy a go at this? Where did that start from for you? I mean, I've always done art in school and always done mixed media projects so I've always had a camera a paintbrush and everything else so that's literally what's birthed it and the camera is just one of the tools that I use to create my art fantastic so Anthony what about yourself uh, photographer here and so what, what are you here uh, the show for in particular is there anything you're looking around you just come here for inspiration just a general look around uh, I've been a photographer now for about the last 30, 30 years and like uh, I do a lot of stuff for, like press magazines newspapers that sort of stuff but then what I've come down for every year I come down to the show it's pretty much about getting um, uh, updated equipment, bits and pieces. You know what I mean the the odds and ends that like uh, you might not get on the high street. You know what I mean it's like a it's a really good place to mix and meet, network with other photographers, uh, see what's going on, see what's new on the market, storage uh, for images and all sorts. So it's, yeah, it's a really good place to network. It's a bit of everything, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So what have you been buying? You've got a uh, uh, Cultura Creative bag on there, and you've got bits in there. What have, oh yeah, uh, oh, listen, this is this is several different bits and pieces I got from different places. Um, uh, the, there's a uh, the disabled there's the this 
Disabled photographers association. Yeah, that's them. Yeah, yeah. They they got a stand over there, and like uh, they've got so much great bits and pieces down there for like say cheap money. I mean, obviously it's, it's good to save the planet and like say recycle the stuff that they may throw throw out. But like uh, they've got a stand down there, and like each year I'll go down there and pick up some bits and pieces and support the charities wow. all at the same time. So I've got like a, a dolly from them and like some other little odds and sods. And, yeah. Great. So, Leonda, what do you what do you hope to go on to do? with your photography are you looking to specialise in, in something in particular or are you just sort of going with the flow at the moment not quite sure what direction to go in do you have a something in mind that you'd like to sort of aim for sort of career wise um, at the moment my I've changed my direction in my photography so I used to do a lot of events weddings portraits but now at the moment I want to focus on boudoir photography it's not something that's seen a lot in the UK it's very popular in America but so that's where I am at at the moment. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, good stuff. Thank you guys for st- uh, stopping and having a chat. Enjoy the rest of the show. Oh, actually, there's one question I've been asking everyone. Camera brand of choice. Are you Sony, Nikon, Canon? There's, Anthony, only, there's only one choice. Okay, and what do we think that choice is, Mark? Um, well, I'm hoping it's going to say Canon. Well, absolutely Canon. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> Canon. Man. Okay. The only problem with Canon at the moment is that Canon are giving me no freebies. So I've had to get a Nikon bag, which I have to turn inside <laughs> oh, out. No. I know, right? <laughs> I've got a Nikon bag, which I turn inside out in order to put my stuff in are oh, you too let me get this right yeah. so you've got a nikon bag and i know that we were given one of those as we walked in you've actually turned it inside out so you're not showing the nikon I brand is not that right? show the brand because no i listen i don't you shoot nikon i don't do nikon i mean i mean don't disrespect to those uh, underlings who do shoot with Nikon cameras, but like, uh, I mean, what can I say? When they grow up, they'll learn and they'll get a Canon. You know what I mean? I, I think Anthony's going to get into trouble. You know? <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, brand, brand appropriation. Yeah. So, how about yourself? Canon. Uh, are you Canon as well? Are you right? Okay. So, are you are you mirrorless DSLR? Um, DSLR. Yeah. Basically, it is like uh, when um, when Leander started getting his photography, she came to come see me, and we were working together for a little while. So, like, uh, basically, the thing about uh, ca- the thing about cameras and photography, whatever camera you get given at the beginning is what you the brand you pretty much stick with. You know what I mean? And like, uh, Leander was with me, and like, we were working together, and like, uh, she's been canon ever since. And I'm glad to say, like, uh, yeah, we've got her on board. She's with the big boys now. You know what I mean? Fantastic. Good. <laughs> Thank you again, guys. All right. Thank enjoy you. the rest of the show. Cheers. <laughs> Okay, right, guys, I'm here on the Leather Rebel stand and talking to Meryl. Now, the Leather Rebel offers uh, camera straps, okay, uh, really good quality. It's, it's called the Leather Rebel, so they're leather straps. And I've been really sort of, uh, I've been looking for one of these for quite a while, and uh, and I'll definitely be ordering one. But uh, Meryl, can you tell me a little bit about the product and the leather that it's made from? And Yeah, it's made, um, we made it in Holland because we're from Holland, uh, from the Netherlands, and we came over here for the photography show. Of course, um, we made it from like saddle leather, the leather they are used, so it's really thick um, and strong. And we designed it ourselves, we have our own production in Holland, and we have like sling straps for one camera, harnesses for two, um, and we have like wrist straps, um, when you use one camera in your hand, so when it falls down, it's, your wrist will grab it, it won't fall on the ground. Um, so yeah, for every photographer, I think uh, a, a good product. And we have a lot of colors, this, so for everybody, it will um, fit one. Yeah, and, and, and that is a thing now, because I think a lot of photography gear has become very fashion conscious. Yeah. Okay, and I think that's, that's really good, because you've got a lot of different colors here. Yeah. But um, it, it works with 
the way people want to dress. It's part of the look exactly. now very much, yeah. you know, because you've got other uh, camera straps that you can have just yeah. your, your standard black. The nylon. You know, the ones black. that you, exactly, the ones that you get just generally. Yeah. But I think these are part of more, more of, a, of a look and they become your branding as well. But the yeah. good thing about your leather straps is that you can um, brand them with your own logo. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. We can brand your own logo in it. So um, it's like personalized. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what's the sort of, and people can order on the Leather Rebel website. Yeah. Uh, what's the delivery time from the Netherlands? Well, um, so we have like the Brexit, so it's a bit of a challenge, but we will ship it. And I think um, the custom have to uh, declare everything within seven days. So I think it will be with engraving, it will be approximately two, three weeks. Yeah. That's approximate delivery time. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to ask you one other question. It's about the environment and, and are they are you sort of environmentally conscious of the way these are made? Is there anything that's different about what you do? Yeah, yeah, you know what? Um, this leather is like a rust material from the uh, meat industry. So no cows are going to be slaughtered for the for for the leather. Sorry, there was a Dutch in between. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it is. Yeah, and I like it because it's like um, sustainable because it's really thick and good quality. So it lasts for years. Yeah, and no plastic. I see that, and that's really good. That's made me sort of even more convinced that you know because we have to be conscious of these things and yeah. what we're buying these days. So that was one of the reasons why I was, that comes here. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time. Okay, and guys, if you want to order one of the leather straps, uh, look at these. They're double harnesses and single straps as well, and it's the Leather Rebel Company. So it's yeah. leatherrebel.com. Have a look on their website and uh, order sells one. Um, yeah, go for it. Okay, so guys, I am with Nigel Atherton. He is the editor at uh, Amateur Photographer Magazine, a magazine that has been around, well, I think everyone's heard of Amateur Photographer. Um, how long has the magazine been around, Nigel? It's been published every week since 1884. Well, no wonder everyone's heard of it. I didn't even realise it was as long as that. You know, it really has. Um, obviously, uh, here, here at the photography show, so you, you have a presence every year at the show, don't you? Yeah, pretty much, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity to, uh, to come and talk to our readers and to network, obviously, with, with, the, with the industry. Yeah, well, so clearly a long-established show. So what sort of people are you getting coming to your stand here? Obviously, we have our regular readers that want to come and meet the editorial team to ask questions, to sort of uh, tell us their ideas, show us their pictures. Um, and then we're also here, to, not to talk to our existing readers, but to try and sort of uh, sample, get people to sample the magazine that haven't read it, maybe get to introduce new people people who are curious, people who are new into photography or uh, who maybe are lapsed readers, you know. It's funny, yeah, I mean, I remember years ago when I used to go into, particularly when I was sort of in my 20s, I used to go into WH Smith's, look along the magazine, Rex, Amateur, there were two photography magazines I always used to pick up, we used to go to, one was a British Journal of Photography and the other one was Amateur Photographer, I'd look at both of them religiously, flick through them, buy them, not every week, but I'd buy them sort of maybe a couple of times a month or something like that. Yeah, there were other ones, but they were the two main. They were the two mainstays that certainly suited my needs. But what is magazine content now? I mean, how has it developed? Were, you know, are your readers looking for something different now to what what was in the magazine, say maybe 10, 20 years ago? If I'm honest, those people that were looking through AP back in the you know when they were in their twenties, uh, back in the nineteen eighties or whatever, uh, in the seventies. Those are pretty much the, the same people reading us now. They just got older, you know, pretty much. I think yeah. people in their 20s today don't really go and look flip through magazines and buy magazines. I mean, some, there's a few, but it's not, it's not really. Obviously, the world's moved on. The younger people are all about um, 
you know, online and social media and that sort of thing. So the, the, the predominantly, not just us, but magazines generally are predominantly bought by an older audience, over 40, maybe over 50, even probably, you know, probably if fair, fair to say, uh, who've grown up reading print magazines. They like print. They don't want to read stuff on the computer screen. Um, and they like the, the, the touch and feel. It's a different experience, different experience. But we, consequently, it's not just uh, it's not just a website printed on paper. It's a very different kind of content. We we don't we do, you know we don't just put the website stuff on in, in the mag. It's it's we we sort of people want different things from a magazine. Yeah, and I guess it's a little bit like music, is it? You know, people when they you know it's gone from that from vinyl to CDs to the digital option, and then some people do go back. So I wonder whether there will be a younger audience that will that will look for print print magazines you know for uh, you know as, as as time goes on but when it comes to the online version you know how how popular is that compared to the print version well, obviously it has a much bigger audience because um you know online it's free for a start you know um so we have people who uh, come to us through looking for something on google they, they google something and we are we're generally either top or near the top or certainly high up on the first page for most product reviews for example so that's how they come to us that way or tutorials they want to learn how to do stuff and also news um, there are people who um, sort of bookmark the site I guess regular visitors so and but, but of course there's a much very different audience there's a younger audience there's a more diverse audience there's a more there's probably more you know um, it's, it's probably the print magazine is skewed towards older males uh, not entirely but, but it has more I mean, the, the online is a much more you know even uh, sort of mix of people yeah because I mean I've noticed for myself you know people are going to laugh when I say this because I say this on the show so many times I've been in the industry now for years and certainly one of the changes I've seen is the, the number of women that have now come into the industry now I mean I used to remember coming here to the photography show years ago and there weren't any women about at all you know it was very few it was very male it was a very much a male dominated thing now it's it's it, that's completely changed you know and uh, so I, I guess you know that You've also got to you've also got to maybe take that into consideration. Uh, you know, although you you're saying predominantly your audience is male, we do work very hard. I mean, I mean, years ago it was probably ninety in the ninety percent range of something male readers, and now it's probably uh, in the in the sixties maybe or something. You know, so we have worked very hard. The, the actual editorial team is more than half female. Um, we work with a lot of female photographers. We work quite closely with female organisations like She Clicks and the, and the UK BF Talk Black Female Photographers because they're not just about gender, um, uh, about diversity in general, all kinds of diversity. I mean, we're trying to get a more diverse audience, younger people. Uh, so we're trying to reflect, you know, in, in the real world, out there in the world, photography is practiced by so many people. A lot of young people taking pictures and um, women, as you say, and people of all different ethnicities. And I think we, we work quite hard to introduce a lot of those groups who perhaps weren't aware of the magazine and never thought that was for them, never thought that was something that occurred to them to, to, to go come to us and say, hey, look at my work. So we're going out finding those people and, and sort of trying to, trying to introduce them and, and make the magazine feel, reflect more of the real world out there. Yeah. And I guess also a, a younger generation have got a different attention span these days. You know, they take their information in differently, don't they? So they don't perhaps need the, 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 feel the need for that print magazine so much now because I guess they're looking at social media. Do you guys, how active, how important is social media to you guys? Like, you know, with this Instagram, or is that something, is, is that a market there that you use to bring readers in as well? Yes, it is. I mean, I remember the days, it wasn't that long ago, where we actually weren't allowed to have an Instagram or a Facebook. It was considered like, you know, 
it was considered you know, time wasting or something, you know. Uh, and now, of course, it's now acknowledged as an essential part of the business. It's how uh, not just our business, but the, the world business generally in the world, because that's how people reach new people, find new audiences, how they connect with the, the existing audiences. Um, we use our we use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have something like uh, three quarters of a million. It varies obviously a little bit, but around that kind of number of people across our social channels. We have a full-time social media person who looks after all our social media. And we, we it's a two-way two -way street, so we, we talk to them on there, but also people post their pictures and tag us, and we, we you know, connect with us that way. Well, just come back to your product reviews as sort of one final question. You were saying that's a big part of what you do with, with, with product reviews. Um, do you find that that your readers rely on those product reviews that I mean you, you've obviously got years of I suppose people rely on you guys for, for that honest review absolutely I mean I, I guess it can be a bit frustrating when people talk about like user reviews and that sort of thing because I mean I think it was a figure published recently that something like 40% of Amazon reviews a lot of them are fake reviews you know that you can People think they can trust user reviews, but they can't really trust user reviews. And also those users, even the ones that aren't fake, they probably only use that one product. If they get bought a camera, they love it and go, wow, this camera's great. They haven't tried every other camera in the market and compared it with every other camera, like we have. So when we when we say a camera's great, we say that having tested every camera that's come out, you know, you know uh, every, every, every interchangeable lens camera on the market, we've given a thorough full test, spent days and days testing it, putting it through lab tests, testing charts, that sort of thing and they're completely unbiased and authoritative and the person that does it as a PhD, uh, a science PhD from Oxford University, he's, he's, a, he's a proper, a proper. it's not someone that's pressed a few buttons, turned a few dials and goes, this is nice, which is what you know, a user review tends to be. So I think I will stand by our, uh, the quality of our technical reviews uh, and the fact that we, because we're a weekly magazine as well, we aim to be not only uh, quite in depth but also the first, in, certainly in print, um, uh, with, with those reviews too. Yeah, great stuff. So at the moment you're doing, uh, it's, it's a weekly magazine and um, obviously you can subscribe to the magazine and how much is the magazine uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a weekly basis? Well we do, uh, that's a difficult question to answer actually, <laughs> uh, because we have two different, we have a premium edition which is 4 99 and we have a regular edition which is 3 79 so I just, I, I'll say, um, uh, well, the regular the regular issue of amateur photographers is three seventy nine, but then once a month we publish a premium edition. It gets an extra thirty two extra pages, and that one's four ninety nine. That seems pretty good value that for, for for that much extra content. So, well, if anything, it's a, bit, it's a little more than the price of a coffee, but considerably more work than making a latte. You know, <laughs> it's funny people complain about the price of things, yet they'll pay ten pounds for a gin and tonic somewhere or five pounds for a coffee without querying it. They will, they will. But the amount, I mean, there's a whole full time, you know, people that produce that magazine day in, day out. Work, they work, you know, weekends, evenings, going to events, uh, testing stuff in their spare time on the holidays, and testing kit and cameras. Um, to bring to bring our readers the most in-depth, up-to-date, uh, not just about kit, but inspirational, like what's going on in the world of photography, because we are weekly, so we try to be topical. We try to cover what's happening in books, exhibitions, big competitions that are happening, just to reflect the modern, the current world of photography. Uh, and But that also takes a lot of work. It also takes a lot of hours kind of stuff too. Brilliant. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Hope you stay busy. I'm sure you will. And uh, continued success with the magazine. Thank you. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, so that's basically our experience of the uh, photography show in a nutshell. I hope you enjoyed listening. Um, you know, it, as much as we tried to, you know, we try and get the experience across and, and all that kind of stuff. It's not the same as being there. So if you couldn't make it this this time, 
uh, we highly recommend trying to make it next time because um, it's definitely worth it for whether you're just an enthusiast or a pro, you know, and everyone in between. It's definitely worth seeing because I tell you what, some of those talks were really inspirational. Uh, some of the ideas and, and the stalls and things were really cool. And obviously just chatting to like minded people, you know, as we've said often um you know photography is quite a, a solitary job uh but actually and now to have a chin wag with other photographers about the business and, and what you're doing and what they're doing and all that kind of stuff is 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 really cool um so yeah i hope you found that informative um please Mark, do can i jump in there before you, you uh, before you sign off uh, can i just say a quick thank you to somebody as well oh, okay uh, and that is to um hazel and Emma and the rest of the team at the CI group that um, organized the event basically. Yeah. Uh, gave us absolutely. great absolutely. access. Um, our press passes allowing us access to speak to uh, anyone and everyone that was there. Um, you know, being supporting partners of the photography show is, is, is great for us. We hope it's great for the talk show, but um, you know, a, a big shout out to those guys because um, you know, they're, they're the ones that make this happen for us and we want to do our bit to give a little bit back as well. Yeah cool so um this is it for this episode um please join us again at the next one um if you haven't already subscribe like um all those kind of things and um, if you obviously listen to us on one of the on on the platforms i'm sure you know which ones to go on but if you don't run all the available ones whether that's i think it's now apple podcast rather than itunes um, uh, like i think that. i think they've changed that a little bit um but yeah uh amazon music and spotify and all that kind of stuff and uh, give us a like on our socials uh, we've got facebook and insta and all that kind of stuff but yeah until next time we'll we'll see you soon cheers